Blog Talk Radio. everybody and or whatever time you're listening Kimberly Burnham and I are in the studio and we are ready to have a laughter and fun and talk about happy (laughs) (laughs) how'd you like that Kim very good I'm so happy to be here Wonderful. And when you think of the concept of happiness, one of the things I wanted to start with is the happiness set point. I think that's a good place to start because studies show that we are wired, some people say genetically, and Kim, you can talk about this, to have a certain happiness set point. And whether that is true or false, and my question and my comments will be on how we can change that. Kim, what are your thoughts on the happiness set point? Yeah, and that's, a, I think, a good question for um, p- listeners to call in if they want to to talk about what their happiness set point is. Um, I know I've seen the research that says that you know happy people are happy and unhappy people are unhappy, and that's pretty much the way it is, and you can't really change it. Um, I think that there's probably in reality very much more of a continuum. So it may be that people who have some sort of genetics or some sort of uh, hard wiring that, that makes them look at the world in a happy or unhappy way, that, they, that might be true. But that I, I imagine that there's a range so if you're the happiest that you can possibly be in your range, I think that's a much better thing than being the unhappiest that you can be in your range. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've talked about genetics before. I think that there's a lot, really, that we say is genetic or is hardwired, but that really is influenced by our environment. And so as much as we can choose what our environment is like, the people that we hang out with, um, I think that significantly influences how happy we are. I I agree with you. And let me give our call-in number. If anyone wants to call in, either talk about happiness or even say what makes you happy, what makes you laugh. Our guest call-in number is 917-889-2275. And in thinking on this happiness checkpoint or set point, I look at myself as a very happy person. I mean, I wake up happy. I drive people nuts because I'm happy. But I was looking back, and I'm thinking about 25 years ago, I remember creating happiness. I don't know that I was unhappy. I was probably just neutral, you know, just going through life. And I was thinking of the things that I did. And one of the things I remember I did is I – stopped reading and watching news because it had become a habit to always watch the news before you go to bed. And I'm thinking, look at all the crap, that, the toxins that you take into your life before you go to bed. So I don't think I'm stupid. I choose my news. I look at headlines. I follow certain stories. But I don't inundate myself with the negativity and the toxicness of news. So that was one of the first things. And then I'm going to give you one other, and then we can talk about some of these things. But the other one is I start 
start every day with the expectation that it's going to be a great day. So even when I'm in my bed as I'm waking up, I'm thinking, what kind of wonderful can happen today? What kind of wonderful can I create today? And as I get out of bed, I'm thinking, this is going to be a wonderful day. And you already have that going, so even if you step out and you get hit in a rain cloud, you're still thinking, great, it's a wonderful day. I wanted to be wet. <laughs> so, so those are two things. Uh, Kimberly, have you thought or talked to people much about news and the effect of news on the brain and on your mood? Yes, definitely. Um, and, and I think that when we watch uh, the news on, on television uh, just before we go to sleep, there are a couple of things. One is that... Um, that light from the, the screen makes it so that we don't sleep quite as well if we're, if we're looking at a screen right before we go to sleep. But also, when we are sleeping, it's a time when we can, on a, a subconscious level, process our day. And so if you've got all of those negative images and negative thoughts about the disasters that there are in the world, um, if you've got all of those in the mix of how you're processing your day, I think it significantly influences how you wake up in the morning. And I mean, really, when you when you look at it, there are so so very many good things about the world, and there are definitely some some bad things. And you know, there's a there's a saying in the news industry: if it bleeds, it leads. Um, but we, we as a, a human species, you know, our attention is drawn by catastrophe, by disasters, whether it's thinking about, um, you know, having compassion for the people that those disasters befall, um, having fear that they might befall us, or um, hoping that they don't, you know, looking for ways to avoid having those disasters happen to us. You know, we, our attention is drawn to the negative, to the disaster, to the, the blood. And um, I think that what, if we want to be happy, we have to be as proactive in drawing to us those amazingly wonderful stories. Um, there's, a, there's a website called Sunny Skies, um, spelled with a Z at the end, that they print stories that are miraculous stories and happy stories and things that happen to people that are really good. And, you know, it's a way in which I think sharing our happiness sharing the happy things that happen with us, uh, but we need to do that at least as much as we share the, the negative and disastrous things that happen to us. Right, yeah, just it's like getting rid of toxins in your body. And even though these are not toxins that we're taking in via our mouth, they are toxins that we are allowing into our body that our brain is processing. And some of them may even be sending chemicals through our body, I would think. Kimberly has a Ph.D. in integrative medicine and is known as the nerve whisperer. So I would think if we're watching something very horrifying, wouldn't our body actually go ahead and release the chemicals as though we're actually living the experience? 
Right. I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at it. One is mirror neurons. There are neurons in our brain, a part of our brain, that when we see someone else doing an activity, we literally feel it in our own body. If we can imagine ourselves being in that situation. And mm-hmm. so by watching something horrible happening to someone, literally our bodies on our, our our anatomy, our physiology, our muscles, our nerves can imagine ourselves being in that situation. And you know, we talked last week about visualization and imagery. And there's not so much difference in terms of how it affects our body, whether something is literally happening to us or we're imagining that it could happen to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, um, we have to be very careful uh, what we watch, what we imagine, uh, what we think about, and how we describe ourselves. Um, the other way in which, uh, you know, you brought up an interesting point about uh, toxins and um, there's a, a concept or a way of thinking in energy medicine, you know, which is a kind of alternative medicine, um, that our emotions, our negative emotions, are processed in the liver in the same way that junk food is processed in the liver or that um, if we breathe in mercury, uh, it's processed in the liver that in that same way that physical toxins are processed in our body to to help us to get rid of those, that negative emotions are also processed in the liver. And so one of the things that we can do to be happier and healthier is not only to, you know, try and clean up our diet and clean up what we take into our bodies on that physical level, but also what we take in on uh, on an emotional level. Right. And, you know, part of that, I think, leads into toxic relationships. And there are people who have energy vampires in their life, as we, you know, I like to call people who suck the lifeblood right out of us. And sometimes it's our family. Sometimes it's friends we have by obligations. But I think one of the ways in creating that happiness is, and protecting what you take into your body is also surrounding yourself with loving friends, uplifting friends, um, friends with very positive energy, and setting boundaries or else eliminating toxic friends from your life. Because in a way, if you look at a toxic friendship, it may have a lot of, um, there may be no reason to keep that. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Kimberly, with toxic friendships, especially if it's in the family situation? It gets more complicated. Right. And when you use the word eliminate, um, from a I don't mean like, you know, I don't mean like I'm the no, exterminator. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 I don't mean exterminate, of course. But um, when you talk about eliminate, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I've got um, the laugh button today. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, go on, go on. Um, that when you eliminate a food that you're allergic to, um, say gluten, for example, like I try not to eat any gluten because of how it makes me feel. 
and I talk about eliminating gluten from my diet. And I think really that same idea can be applied to relationships that are are difficult where you feel a lot of of anger in the relationship or um, you feel a lot of anger or negative emotions from the other person or they're very judgmental of you in a way that, you know, really doesn't serve your happiness, um, that eliminating them. And, you know, I think somewhat similar to gluten, you, you can't always eliminate it and you can't always, not, you know, not even be around it. But there's a way in which you can decide what are you taking into your body. So if I go to a restaurant and there's a basket of bread on the table, I have a choice about whether I take a piece of bread or whether I don't. I may not have a choice around whether that basket of bread is sitting on the table, but I certainly have a a choice around what I take in to my body, into my soul, into my emotional psyche. And so I think that we can be around, you know, if if there's somebody in a work situation where you don't really have the option of saying, well, I just don't want to be around that person at all, Mm -hmm. or maybe a family member, you don't really have an option to say, I just don't want to be around that person anymore. But you do have an option of really taking in their words, their anger, their judgment, their negativity. You do have a choice about taking that into your body, into your psyche, into your emotional state. Right. Because I have friends who think it's their duty in a friendship to just listen to barrages of negativity as their friend is just using them to just dump on. You know, it's not like you just have a little problem, you're working with your friend. These are chronic complainers. And so one of the things I suggest, and I've done this in my own family, um, when my parents were alive, every now and then they would be very toxic with me. And I would say, I will spend time with you. These are the topics we cannot discuss. I don't want to hear about these topics, but there's plenty of other things we can share. So when we would spend time, but then every now and then they would try to breach that and say, that's the boundary. We're not going to go there because that's very hurtful. So one of the things, or if you're a friend of the gossip, but it's a negative gossiper, it, it might be good to say, I love being with you, but I don't want to talk poorly about anybody else. And when they bring it up, just put up your hand and say, we're not going to go there. That way you can keep the positive parts of a relationship without being the dumping ground for someone else's toxicity. And I think that that's really how we can be happy in our lives is to be able to set those boundaries and also to be aware of what is it that brings us happiness and what is it that takes our happiness away. Um, That the more aware we can be, the more self-aware and conscious we can be as individuals, the more we can know, okay, where do we need to set the boundary and how do we set the boundary to let in what's, what feeds us, what, what serves our happiness, our um, productivity, our creativity in the world, and at the same time blocks uh, negativity coming into uh, to our lives. Yeah. And I'm even one for saying that 
if the boundary keeps getting breached, it's okay to then say to your friend, I can't be friends anymore. I feel, you know, it's bad for my health to be your friend. And I've had a few where I've had to say that. And it's not an easy thing, but I'll tell you what, I feel a whole lot better when I'm not with that kind of a person and when I can surround myself by people who are uplifting and and positive. So it really does change the energy all around you if you can take that step. And sometimes it's for your own health to do that. I guess always it is. Right. Um, I don't know if, that, if you think it's too hard of a line to do that, but um, you know, it's easy to pick up people who want to just latch on to you, and it's kind of liberating to say no. No is an okay answer. Right, and I think it is. It can be challenging to uh, say no to people. Um, I mean, that it's more challenging for some people than for other people, but um, ultimately. It's who we believe and who we let into our lives significantly influence um, who we are in the world and how we uh, how happy we are. And so, I think that every individual has that right to to decide what mm-hmm. um, to choose who who do they want to be around, and especially in sort of downtime situations. Yeah, sometimes we feel obligated. Somebody calls us up, wants to spend time. Sometimes we feel obligated. But, you know, I think that we each have the right to spend our time in the way that, that really serves our life and, and brings good into our lives. The the other thing that I think about in in that realm is that that not everyone is the same, and that's such a good thing. So someone that I might find toxic or irritating or in some way undesirable to be in my life, somebody else might think Mm -hmm. that they are the most amazing person and really just love spending time with them. And I think that's an amazing thing in this world. Yeah. That's what they say. There's somebody the for everybody. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's somebody for the everybody. Same Go ahead. Don't, the same things don't make us all happy. And the same things don't make us all sad. And so that's where, again, I think that personal awareness and consciousness has to come in so that we really know what is it that makes us happy and um, we reach out for what makes us happy. Right. And again, our call-in number is 917-889-2275. What makes you happy? You know, one of the things that I sometimes do in my practice is certainly there are days, even when I'm trying to manifest happiness as I'm getting out of bed and saying this is going to be a great day, there are days when I feel, ugh. But when I get that feeling, the next tool I have in my um, toolbox is act as if. I act as if it's a great day. I put on a smile, and then I try to interact with other people that I pass, maybe a stranger on the street. Hi, how are you this morning? Good to see you. I love that color. And usually by my interaction with one or two people, my acting as if has become real. 
And so I now am now, I've changed my mood. I'm actually no longer acting. I, I am happy. So I think act as if is also a good tool to have in, in, in your um, repertoire. And you've probably helped those people to be happy too because happiness really is contagious where, where when you see someone and you don't know whether they're actually happy or if they're acting as if they're happy, um, but their happiness can also buoy you up so that each of those people that you talk to along the way or you smiled at along the way, they probably are going to have a better day as well. So it really it changes the whole, your whole environment by doing that. That's that's so great. And one of the tools that I um do is is that consciousness does make us happier. Like we're when we're aware and conscious it makes us happier. And so Um, one of the things that you can do if you're not feeling so happy in the morning is um, when you get into the car to go somewhere or if you're walking somewhere, um, go a different way. So maybe you have like this way that you always go to work or you always go to the store or you always go to school or wherever you're going, that you always go the same way. And when we do things over and over again, it becomes rote, it becomes a little bit less conscious. We're not, you know, we get into that situation where we get somewhere and we're like, wow, I didn't, I'm not even really aware of how I came uh, to right. be here. Um, because we really weren't paying attention on a conscious level. Our Our eyes were paying attention and we were looking where we were driving, but we weren't so conscious. So, if you go a different way, even just like one block out of the way, um, we pay attention more when we do something different, when we do something new. And that's really good for our happiness. It's also really good for our brain health to do new things. You know, there's that saying uh, that I often quote, um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But the second part of that is the fastest way to become an old dog is stop learning new tricks, right? right? So mm-hmm. if you were learning new things, and that might be as easy as just going a different route to somewhere that you usually go or just noticing a certain color. And if you were going to notice a certain color to make you happy, there, there are two colors that I could suggest. In traditional I mean, Chinese medicine? Color, in traditional Chinese medicine, yes. Um, okay. One is that uh, the color green, the color of trees, the color of grass, the color of the go green light, um, that's the color of the liver um, element in traditional Chinese medicine. And so a way to sort of clear out some of the anger which is the emotion associated with the liver, and bring in more of a positive detoxifying effect on your body um, is to notice the color green, wear the color green, look out at a forest or at um, a field that's green. Um, That can be really helpful. And then the color associated with the heart, which 
in traditional Chinese medicine is associated with joy and with love and the flip side with hate. Um, but supporting the heart and the small intestine is the color red. And so uh, looking around yourself at the color red, looking at red cars, um, wearing a red shirt, you know, those kinds of things can also, from an energy medicine perspective, support, um, support your happiness. Right. You know, when you were talking about green, I was thinking where you find green the most is if you step outside. And nature can very often be something that will buoy up your mood, will increase happiness. And I'm going to share with you a quote that I love. It's from a very old soul, Anne Frank. And can you just Mm -hmm. imagine... Anne Frank had been allowed to live. What a wise, but she was so wise even yeah. at her young age. She says, she says, the best remedy for those who are afraid, lonely, or unhappy is to go outside somewhere where they can be quiet and alone with the heavens and nature and God because only then does one feel that all is as it should be. And that is so true that if you can even step outside to nature, it's a mood changer. And as Kimberly was saying, with the color green, can really buoy up your mood. And if you can't step outside, like sometimes at the hospital, I'll go to a window and I can maybe catch the sunset or the clouds coming in. And even taking a few minutes to look at nature through a window can be a mood changer. And they also say that if you have a screensaver on your computer that has a nature scene, and some of the hospitals are even starting to put nature scenes up on the ceiling for when patients are in bed or just before they go into surgery so they can at least see nature. But what I would say if you're looking at it from uh, a picture is to breathe it in and make it real. And we talked about visualization. Visualize that you're a part of that scene and really own it. And I think then you would get the benefits of nature. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And you're right. Lots of hospitals are putting up colored walls and paintings of uh, nature on the walls and on the ceiling because this is getting to be a, a much better known thing that when we're in a natural environment, and part of the natural environment is the color and the images and the connection that we have with the universe. And I think the more connected we are, often the happier the happier we are. I once was talking to a, a Qigong master. I do Qigong, which is a movement... Uh, a movement exercise uh, with some similarities to Tai Chi. Some people are familiar with Tai Chi. You see people in the parks in China doing Tai Chi and Qigong. It's like this slow, uh, flowing movement um, kind of exercise. And um, somebody was asking him, well, what do you do about the energy vampires that are sucking your energy? And he said, you you put your energy on a plate and you offer it to them and then you do qigong because there is enough energy for everyone. And mm. so there are many ways of exercise or activities that we can do that replenish our energy and our happiness and our creativity. 
And ultimately, there is enough for everyone. And so in a way, those energy vampires, those people that you feel suck you dry, if you're around them, you, know, you, you probably are helping them, maybe, depending on how you're interacting with them. But then also you have to look at, okay, what are those things that replenish you and help you to draw energy and happiness into your own life? And sometimes you have to do those things a little bit extra. And I think it's worth making a list even of mm-hmm. what makes me happy. You know, a what makes me happy list. And if you're feeling a little bit down, a little bit depressed, you know, look at that list and, and pick one of the things that's on there, whether it's looking outside of a window, which is usually a pretty easy thing, looking outside of a window at a, a natural scene, or if it's taking a hot bath or going to a funny movie or um, taking a walk or calling a friend. You know, just like think, really think about what are those things that make you happy and have a list so that when when you're feeling depressed or unhappy, you know, that's not the time to be trying to think of, okay, what makes me exactly. happy, right? And I when actually you're I happy, have lists. Yes, I think that's a good yeah. idea because, yeah, you don't think of it when you're singing the blues. Right. Yeah. You know, this is one that all of my trauma team knows and they tease about, but they do it. And part of it is just being silly and plain, but I think it's a very energy, from an energy healing point of view, it really does get rid of toxic energy. And I just call it the wet dog wiggle. And so when things, when all of a sudden you just feel like you're surrounded in a lot of negativity, just shake your body like a wet dog. And from an energy point of view, I think you have liberated yourself from some toxic energy. But from a human point of view, it's silly, and you'll laugh at yourself. And if you're with a friend, they start laughing too. And then you get the laughter thing kicking in, which starts improving your mood. So um, sometimes at work we just have a wet dog wiggle break. And it doesn't. It could be a chicken dance, I don't know, but some kind of a silly, playful body movement to just change the energy around you. Shake your hand, shake your head, and it, it doesn't cost anything, and it's fun. And you wind up laughing and coming back in a be- better mood. And what does it take, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, to do an energy shift? So remember the wet yes. dog wiggle. Absolutely. And, you know, laughter can be so curative and healing. There's a a story in the movie The Secret about a woman who um, was diagnosed with a kind of cancer that was very bad, and she wasn't interested in in exploring some of the options that the medical system was offering her. And instead, on her way home from the doctor's office and this this devastating uh, diagnosis, um, she and her husband stopped at a video store and they got I Love Lucy and The Three Stooges and romantic comedies and all these movies um, and shows that were very funny. And for several months, she and her husband, they just stayed at home and watched a lot of really funny things, things that were funny to them, which, you know, that's, again, sense of humor is, is uh, it varies from person to person, what you find funny. But um, they watched all these funny movies, and she went into remission, and the cancer was no longer there. 
And right. isn't that Bernie yeah. Siegel's book too? Is it Bernie Siegel who was an MD? I should have looked that up before yes. the show. But mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. laughter can um, be very curative for many forms of disease. Right, and and I think it is that that processing aspect of when we're laughing, we're physically moving our body. Um, it, more air is coming in. We're getting more oxygen to our cells. The blood flows in a different way, in a better way. And our mood, all our chemistry responds to that laughter. And it can change remarkable things in our, in our body. Um, just that, you know, how our mood is and how, uh, how our laughter uh, creates that. There, it certainly is a stress. It's a stress relief, for one thing, too. You know, when you talk about stress right. relief, it lowers your stress levels. Right, and there's some interesting research, too, uh, that was quite a few years ago. I think it actually comes from the early 1900s, um, where they looked at the muscles in the face, that when we laugh or when we smile, you know, certain muscles in our face contract. And, you know, there's that saying that it takes more muscles to frown than to to laugh or to smile, so you might as well... uh, you might as well smile. But they looked at blood flow changes to the muscles in the face and blood flow changes to the brain when we smile. And at the end of the the research, they said, do we smile because we're happy and then get better blood flow to the brain because we're smiling? Or when we have better blood flow to the brain, does that make us happy and so we smile? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and essentially they left it kind of an open-ended question of do we smile because we're happy or are we happy because we smile? And so that's another exercise of um, acting as if is you can just take a few minutes to smile at yourself in the mirror and really like the biggest, cheesiest smile you can do, and that also changes your mood so that maybe you don't feel like smiling, but then you do just as an exercise. You smile the biggest smile you can. It literally pulls on the muscles in your face and in your head in a new way that influences blood flow, that encourages blood flow to your brain so that you can be more creative, more conscious, have better memory, and create better memories and have uh, a better mood for the day. And studies have shown that there's not a difference between a fake smile and a real smile for the muscles that we use. If you can really, like you say, get in there and do a real cheesy smile or, or really use as many muscles as you can, that starts releasing those endorphins and, and lifting our moods and things like that. So um, just ham it up. Don't take yourself so yeah. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, when when you recognize when you you know really pay attention to what people are doing and their facial expressions, I think that you can tell the difference between a cheesy uh, forced smile and 
a really like from the heart to open smile or laugh, but you're right that um, for your muscles and for your body, um, for the blood flow to your brain, um, that has a positive influence whether you're faking it in a sense, uh, faking it till you make it um, or not. You know, another, um, there are a couple other things I want to make sure we talk about before we wrap up, but a lot of people use what things that they're grateful for, and they make a gratitude list. And I think that that's very beneficial. Uh, Some people write them in their journal each evening before they go to sleep, the things that they're grateful for when they wake up. I usually go through my gratitudes if I'm stuck in traffic or waiting in line. Those two things could have the tendency to make me crazy, so I shift the energy by thinking of all the things I'm grateful for. And if it's a long traffic jam, I'm getting down to I'm grateful that I have eyelashes, you know, and I can swallow. (laughs) But um, a way to ramp that up is to think of a few of your favorite things. And if I were Julie Andrews, I would sing it for you, but I'm going to spare you. But by thinking of your favorite things, you can have a more sensory experience. So if you think of a time maybe when you felt very loved or a time when the world seemed perfect or maybe think of a smell that just brings back feelings of a home-cooked meal with a family that you cared about. So if you can get into what that favorite experience was, you can picture it in your mind. You can almost smell the smell. If it's a meal, you can almost taste it. You can feel the feelings of that time that had you feeling either safe or loved or just cherished. So as you're thinking of something you're grateful for, if it's also a thing. For example, for me, one of the things, pine, the scent of a pine forest, reminds me of when I was a little girl and would go do slumber parties with my maiden aunt in the woods because then it was just the two of us and I was the most important person on the planet and she would have coloring books Mm -hmm. for me and we would dress up. So just the smell of pine takes me back to that whole experience. So that's another thing that you can do um, if you're trying to increase your mood is hearken back to a very special time and almost visualize it. There we go back to our visualization, Kimberly. But really visualize it um, in every way you can. Yes, absolutely. Um, So powerful to really get into the sensations of that positive experience. Um, And, you know, it really makes us happy. And I think it's one of the reasons when we get together with friends and we talk about experiences that we've shared, that for me anyway, at the end of those conversations, I feel really happy, you know, mm-hmm. as long as it's it's with good friends that we talk about, you know, positive experiences that we've had and, you know, usually laugh and sometimes it's, it's awkward or um, experiences that, that were not that great, but now, you know, a while later are very funny. And mm-hmm. so, you know, finding the humor again in things. Uh, and sometimes one of my other strategies is sometimes when I'm in a situation that's very difficult for me that um, feels awkward or embarrassing or I, you know, feel angry about it, um, sometimes I'll be able to catch myself and I'll think, I wonder how long it'll be before I think this is really funny. 
like before mm-hmm. I can see the humor in the situation mm-hmm. and right. um, or see the positive in the situation. And sometimes just thinking to myself, oh, yeah, it'll probably be two years or, um, yeah, probably by tomorrow it'll seem funny yeah, and I don't know why I'm getting so upset about it. Um, that sometimes even if it's quite a while in the future, maybe it's two years in the future, I think, yeah, it's probably going to take me two years to really see the, the positive or the funny yeah. side of this. Um, just by putting a number on it and thinking, yeah, the day will come where I will look at this in a different way, that helps me in the moment to look at it in a different way. And so then much shorter is the time that I can recover from those negative emotions and get back to my, uh, my happy set point. Your set point, yeah. And one of the things, so many people will carry grudges or anger or even the desire for revenge, and that is a heavy, toxic load to carry. And this is one of the things that many of my friends have heard me say is that when you do that, it's very much like swallowing poison and waiting for the other person to die because so often yeah. – the other person doesn't even know. They've gone on with their life, and you're the one carrying this toxic load that is taking away from your health and your happiness. So the more we can drop those toxic loads and just focus on living our good life, our best life, and partly you know, just sort of pushing that, say, that's that other person's story, and putting our hand on our heart and saying, but I'm going to create my own story and my own happiness. But grudges and anger can be so toxic, so toxic. Right. There's a wonderful story about a, uh, a couple of uh, Buddhist monks who are walking along in silence, and they come to this river where a woman has slipped in the mud, and one of the monks lifts her up and carries her to the other side of the river, which is where she was going, and he puts her down, and they continue in silence. And uh, several miles later, the other uh, monk says, you know, you shouldn't have touched her. You're not allowed to touch a a woman. You shouldn't have uh, picked her up. You shouldn't have, uh, you know, carried her. And the monk who had done that, he said, are are you still carrying her? I put her (laughs) down miles ago. Yeah. You know, and... And like all the miles that this this monk had been walking, he'd been thinking, you know, clearly he'd been thinking, oh, he shouldn't have done that, you know, that was bad. And, and, and it had preoccupied his mind for, you know, several hours um, where the other yeah. one who actually did the activity, he just picked her up, carried her across, did, you know, a very helpful thing, and then he put her down and he thought no more of it um, and so it really it didn't affect him anymore where it affected the other one much more because he you know it sort of he swallowed the poison yeah it consumed his thoughts uh, yeah. okay. well you know I think this has been great and I love the different ideas that we've come up with for happiness because one of the things that Kimberly and I both know, because we were authors in a book called No Mistakes, is that things that happen to us in life, we have a choice on how we handle them. And how we, like I always say, you can't tell what cards life is going to deal you, but you do have a choice 
with what you do. And sometimes adversity will darken our doorstep, just something crappy will happen, but it's the choice we have to see how to look at it, how to handle it, and turn it in from a stumbling block to a stepping stone. And like Kim was saying earlier when she thinks, how long will it take me to look at this as funny, sometimes when adversity happens to us, we don't always see where the positive is going to come. Sometimes it's very difficult to imagine where the positive will Mm -hmm. come. But I bet with everything that happens, when we handle it correctly and we're open to the fact that there will be a positive outcome, we will see it. And um, Kimberly, from your perspective with the no mistakes, is there anything you would like to add to that about how we can turn adversity into abundance? Right. My story in, in no mistakes is really about being aware of what, how you feel and really honoring how you feel and listening to the people outside of you, listening to um, the people around you, but not putting more weight on what they say and how they see the world and how they see you, not putting more weight on that, on what they say than on what you feel about yourself. And I think that's really the way to move forward in your life is to, yes, listen and consider um, those people around you and, and what they say, but if if they're saying negative things to you um, and conveying a, a negative perception of the world to you, you know, I think we each have a choice and that we can honor our perception of the world and we can honor really all those positive things in, in our lives. And, you know, not to be like Pollyannish about it, but... There's so much good and bad, what we characterize or perceive as good and bad in the world, that putting our focus on the bad is not actually any more realistic than putting our focus on the good. It's just what are we putting our focus on? And how are we feeling as a result of what we put our focus on? And, you know, I do a lot of work helping people improve their eyesight, their vision, and you know, I think it's a good analogy that when you look out into the world, there is so much light being reflected off that literally our physical eyes cannot take in but a very small percentage of that information. And so every time we look around ourselves, we are filtering, we are deciding on, on that physical level, on the level of our eyes, what we're going to take in and how we're going to see things. And then if you go inside of the brain, once the light is inside, you know, the light has come into your eyes, it's translated into electrochemical energy um, in your brain, then you start to layer on it, what does it mean what I'm seeing? So, you know, if someone sees a uh, red Corvette, you know, one person, maybe they used to have one and they think, oh, I really miss that car and maybe it makes me sad to see it. Another person, it might make them angry that they don't have the money to, to get that red Corvette. Another person, 
might be really happy for the person because it's their brother that just bought the red Corvette. Do you know what I mean? We layer mm-hmm. on all these things, and it's nothing to do with seeing the red Corvette. It's, you know, what experience do we have, and what are we, how are we interpreting that information? So, so we're going from, first of all, we're, we're barely taking in a fraction of the information available to us, and then we're layering on our interpretation, and then we get what we describe as reality, which is so different than somebody else's reality and really may not actually have anything to do with reality, but significantly influences how we feel and how we go through our day. Exactly. You know, one of the things I talk about in in my coaching is the power of the pause, and that's very much like what you were saying with the red Corvette. There will be an action. The action might be the red Corvette, or it might be something somebody said to you or did to you in traffic. Then there is that pause, and then there is your reaction. And if we can learn to work the pause in a way that it's uplifting and healthy and not toxic, we really can do a lot of change in our life. So if we see a red Corvette and our first our gut reaction is to be jealous of the person who has it, take that pause and see if we can approach it uplifting and then come back and bless that they have it or that you had a chance to see it or put it on your dream list. Or if somebody gives you the finger when you're in traffic, you you might want to do that back, but you have that pause where you can think, oh, maybe they're just having a bad day. Blow them a kiss and wave. You know, so you have taken the action that uplifts your energy and may or may not uplift somebody else's, but at least you've ramped yours up. So there's what I call the power of the pause. Right. My cousin, uh, when, when somebody would cut her off in traffic or do something rude or stupid to, uh, um, as she was driving, she, I thought this was such a great thing. She would say to herself, yeah, he just found out that his wife is in the hospital having a baby and he's in a hurry and he's not thinking straight. Like she'd really, really give him the benefit of the doubt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I think when you put that spin on it, then it's like, okay, yeah, people have things that they are focused on and they're, you know, people aren't necessarily wanting to be uh, rude or uh, inconsiderate. So people are just trying to live their lives, and and if we can give them the benefit of the doubt, um, I think that goes a long ways towards creating our own happiness and our own positive response to situations. For sure. And one of the things I hope our listeners benefited from this show is really seeing that we have the power to create the lives we choose to live. We are not victims of life. We, we truly have that power to shift the energy, to control the toxins, to uplift our mood. It's all within our power. So why choose to be grumpy when you have the option of living a delightful, happy, vibrant, energetic life? And that really was the benefit of having this show. It was, really, it was fun talking to Kimberly and sharing all of the different things that we do. Because I'm sure, Kimberly, you're from the human race. I'm from the human race. We're going to have a day that we wake up just in a cranky mood. But we have the power to change it. 
so. It's been delightful talking to you about ways to create happiness. Yes, and I just want to end with uh, um, one of my favorite authors or teachers is Byron Katie, who wrote a book called Loving What Is, which is really just embracing your life the way it is and certainly working towards positive things, but not putting a a negative spin on on things. And um, she has this process where there's four steps and and you go through it. But the first step is, is it true? So when you have a negative thought, is it true? And then there's this whole process. But um, I have a, a friend who sometimes when I'm complaining about things, she'll just say to me, is it true? And honestly, sometimes I think, okay, okay, I get it, it's not true, but I just want to complain about it for a few minutes. And so I think that's okay also, you know, but to to do it consciously, to know that we are complaining about something that we do have choices around, we do have uh, have some control in our lives about how we perceive things. And sometimes we do just want to complain, um, but... But looking at, you know, realizing that we have choices and we can be happy uh, no matter what. So. Yeah. But, yeah, it's been really fun and I've been happy on this show. Uh, and um, I look forward to uh, to next week. I would love for uh, listeners to, uh, to go over to our Facebook page and, and let us know what they want to uh, call in and talk about uh, next week would be great. Great. And we do have a caller. Let me open up the mic to see what our caller would like to share with us. This is somebody from 862. Good morning, 862. You're on the line. Yes, good morning. Um, Thank you for the discussion. I I joined it uh, a little late, but I just wanted to know if you had talked at all about it. What are your thoughts on um, depression and um, creating, uh, you know, the secrets for a happy life. You know, someone that has experienced this in my past, it's not always about the circumstances of your life, but more, uh, you know, something that, that you really don't seem to have control over. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that are. You know, we did right, I mean, some of it in the show, but Kimberly, go ahead, because I was going to say listen to the replay, but Kimberly, take a hold directly. Yeah, definitely listen to the replay. And, um you know, when people are depressed because of the circumstances in their lives, I think it's entirely understandable that they're depressed. But also, even when there are very difficult situations in your life, there are some things that you have control over. And, you know, there obviously are probably some things that you don't have control over. If somebody dies, for example, that can be very depressing, very sad. Um, And you know, those are things that we don't necessarily have control over. But how we respond to the situation and what we do to create those positive emotional states in ourselves, that we do have a lot of control over. And uh, those really are the things that uh, that we talked about. So I feel like we gave some, some good uh, ideas of things that people can do to live happier lives, whether uh, they have depression in their history or, um, you know, are currently depressed, uh, there are, I think, a lot of things that we can do. And so, yes, I would certainly encourage you to listen to the replay, which is 
pretty much always going to be there uh, to help you right. be happier. Great. Because Thank one you. of the things we that. talked about, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things we talked about is really turning around a situation and finding out where you have the power to make the changes. And sometimes the changes we make right in ourselves, how we look mm. at it, how we use the negative thing as a tool to not do it again or to be mm. a stepping stone. So, um, because terrible things happen to us, but it's a matter of turning that stumbling block into like a stepping stone, maybe even embracing it as your teacher so that that situation won't, and um, a lot of things. But, you know, I'm just going to wrap you in healing, too, as you go through your situation, and and hopefully you'll find some solace in some of the tips we said. But thank you for calling in, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. All right. So, yeah, we don't know what we're going to talk about to next week, but we'll think it up. Well, something good, something juicy. So, and Kimberly, are you going to be calling in from the road somewhere? Uh, do you know where you're going to be yes. on Monday? Okay, so well, wherever you are, it'll be on the road yes, with Kim. wherever I am. Yes. From wherever yes. you are. I love that. I love that. Somewhere so a little. Baltimore. Okay, a little bit of laughter first. Let me put a little <laughs> laughter on. <laughs> <laughs> And again, that's not Kim and I. I'm just playing with you. That was for Ginger Dawn. So have yeah. a beautiful day, everybody. Have a beautiful day, Kim. And do something that makes yourself happy. And if you can't think of anything, go out and play and do the wet dog wiggle. Take care. We'll see you next week. All right.